Hello, and welcome to Sewer Signals, a podcast on utility experiences with wastewater surveillance. I'm Anna Marotra, Director of the Wastewater Surveillance Program at the Water Environment Federation, and I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Anna Bell from Indio, California, especially because it's fun to be speaking with another Anna. How you doing, Anna? I am doing well. Thank you. It's great to have you. So here's a little bit about Anna Bell. She is the laboratory and compliance supervisor at the Valley Sanitary District, where she has worked for nine years. She is also a licensed wastewater operator with the highest certification level in California, that's a grade five, and in Nevada, which is a grade four. She is currently working on her Master of Public Administration degree at the University of North Dakota and is projected to graduate in the spring of 2023. Anna oversees the state certified district laboratory and the environmental compliance pretreatment program where staff perform a variety of tasks, including sampling, analyzing, monitoring, and reporting the quality of the wastewater treatment process. Phew, that's a lot. And going to school and working is also a lot. But here's a little bit on the utility she represents. So Valley Sanitary District is a California special district governed by a locally elected board of directors. It was founded in 1925 and operates its own water reclamation facility to treat wastewater from 91,700 people in their service district, primarily in Indio, California. The facility treats approximately six and a half million gallons per day of wastewater through two parallel treatment processes, an activated sludge process that treats the majority of wastewater and a set of oxidation ponds that receive waste solids from the activated sludge process, plus some additional raw wastewater. The treated wastewater is discharged into a storm channel and becomes a source of fresh water replenishment to the Salton Sea. Uh, The district is a member of a joint powers authority with the Indio Water Authority to undertake the beneficial reuse of water by developing a reclaimed and recycled water system. Sounds like such an interesting wastewater water system in a part of the world that doesn't really have an abundance of water. Exactly. All right, Anna, let's dive in and talk about wastewater surveillance. So tell me when and how did Valley Sanitary District get started with its wastewater surveillance program for COVID? So Beverly Marshall, our general manager here at Valley Sanitary, she learned about a program that had federal funding for COVID wastewater-based epidemiology and surveillance through a NACWA publication back in May of 2021. So we started our first surveillance program through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which was for 12 weeks that occurred between June and September of 2021. I guess that was the second iteration of the commercial testing contract, right, for Health and Human Services? Okay. Starting then, and maybe this has evolved over time, but who have been your partners in this effort? So since our start in June of 2021, we have been participants in four fully funded program initiatives through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the BioBot Network, the CDC National Wastewater Surveillance System, and our newest with the Stanford Initiative, Wastewater Scan. Our contract lab partners have included BioBot Analytics, GT Molecular, Luminultra, and now Virilli. Oh my goodness. So I think you've worked with just about all the major, the major laboratories out there doing wastewater testing. There are others certainly than the four you mentioned, but 
wow, that must be interesting to compare. But at the end of the day, it's you all who collect uh, the samples and get them off to these, uh, these different labs. So who actually does that sample collection? Where are they collected in your system, which sounds um, a little bit more complex than your typical wastewater treatment plant? And how frequently are they collected? So the majorities of our samples have been taken over 24 hours using an automatic sampler to make a composite sample. Our wastewater operators start and stop the samples, and then the composites are brought into the laboratory. The laboratory staff then split the sample into the appropriate sample containers from the sample kits provided by the contract labs. The laboratory staff then follow the entire kit process and prepare the samples for shipment. For our new program with wastewater scan, we will be collecting grab samples from our primary sludge and that'll be occurring three times a week. Our frequency has kind of been dependent upon what the program needs were. Some of the programs requested only one sample per week, which we would mostly collect on Mondays. Others requested twice a week, which we would sample on either Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays. We make sure that no two program samples occur on the same day, since we did have some programs that were overlapping. Oh, that seems like a great strategy to kind of maximize the coverage of your wastewater information. And just one clarifying question, the composite samples, were you already collecting these as part of routine sort of process analysis for your treatment facility? Yeah, we primarily were already collecting influence as composites for some of our normal NPDES requirements for like BODs and suspendeds, but we did have to increase the number of times that we're running these samples. Like the frequency at which you're actually pulling an, like a portion of the influent into the composite sample. Oh, or you're talking about like how many days a week you have to collect the gotcha. Okay. I got a, I got a nod. And when you just, just so folks understand you were having to collect influence samples, analyze for BOD and TSS so that you could then calculate percent removal across your treatment process to get to that secondary treatment, 85% removal. Does that sound right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So my next question had related to the analysis of the samples, but you already covered that quite nicely. And it sounds like you get the sample collection kit, whether it's been from GT Molecular, Luminultra, Verily, or Biobot, and you get the bottles and then you're, you package those all up in your lab. So I guess I'll move on to my next question, which is, you know, who is using uh, the wastewater data. It sounds like you're getting quite a lot of it. And again, we're still talking about COVID. I do want to talk about monkeypox because I know that's where those primary sludge samples are coming in. But who's using the COVID data and how is it being used? So all the lab report data that we receive from the contract labs, I compile into graphs with interpretive narratives for our stakeholders. So we create weekly updates that we post on our Valley Sanitary District website to share all of our content regularly with the local newspapers and advocate to the city managers, health officials, and other collaboratives on the importance of this wastewater surveillance. Collaboratives have included COVID Poops 19, the CDPH Wastewater Surveillance Network, CalSUWERS, the Wastewater Scan, and the CDC National Wastewater Surveillance System. Oh, that's great. And just so folks know, we'll put all those links to all the programs you just mentioned in the notes for, for this episode. So that's really interesting, Anna. You are, are the data 
aggregator and digester of the data um, before sending it out to the public. And you're kind of bringing it in from all different sources. All right. Next question is, how is, how is this all funded right now? Uh, we have been very fortunate to join in several programs that were funded through initiatives for external programs and federal grants. Between September 2021 through January 2022, we were between surveillance programs as the federal government was trying to determine the new rules funding initiatives and awards to contract to the different contract labs. And so we actually continued with the COVID surveillance and directly funded those efforts. But that was just for sort of this little interval that was between the federal contracts. Correct. Okay, great. And yet still, you know, you and your team are dedicating time to packaging up the samples as you described. So have you faced any challenges with sample collection, sample shipment? Anything that's been particularly challenging there? We haven't faced too many challenges outside of schedule modifications and issues faced with shipping and courier services. Um, our schedule modifications occur due to holidays and observances or staffing. Since we have limited staffing on holidays, we modify the sample schedule to accommodate for this. There were instances where we would hold samples from Thursday over the weekend and then ship them to the following Monday since we were short staffed and the contract lab was unable to receive the samples on Saturdays. Occasionally, we'll have troubles with the courier service not picking up the samples that day. So staff will take them to the nearest drop-off facility as they leave at the end of the day of their shift. How far is the nearest drop-off facility? For me, it's on my way home. Okay, so. that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, I alluded to before that you have or will very soon start testing for monkeypox, and this is with fairly looking particularly at um, primary sludge, um, settled solids from your primary. So talk to us a little bit about what's going on with that program. So our partnership with Virilli for the wastewater scan has a multitude of pathogens that they're testing for, which will include COVID, monkeypox, influenza A, the RSV genetic markers, and other pathogens as they become of concern. We actually started sampling for monkeypox this week because we received the sample kits. So we started yesterday. We'll collect another sample on Friday, and then we should be getting results out to our stakeholders by next week. Will you be making your, because I know um, Verily and Wastewater Scan, they have a public-facing dashboard with the monkeypox results. Will they be including um, Valley Sanitary District's results in that public-facing dashboard? They will be. And okay. I also include the links and a lot of those graphs into our weekly updates. So our stakeholders can directly see it along with what's on that national spectrum. So you mentioned a lot of pathogens in there. So monkeypox, influenza, RSV, you know, what would you like to see wastewater surveillance applied to in the future? So I believe wastewater is a trove of citizen health information that has been vastly underrated until this COVID pandemic. In many ways, I think the pandemic has been a great facilitator in highlighting the benefits of wastewater surveillance as a tool for decision makers. We've been talking about other pathogens or concerns like polio and stuff as we see them crop up in New York and things, and they're pathogens that we thought had been eradicated due to vaccines and so forth. The presence of these pathogens isn't always on the county public health radar until someone reports them as being tested positive. 
whereas our wastewater can identify the presence of and the potential concentrations prior to the health center testing. I think a big challenge will be identifying what the public health concerns are and somehow creating many meaningful results that can be utilized by the public health officials prior to it becoming a widespread or pandemic issue. That was a great summary, Anna. I couldn't have put it better myself. Moving on from wastewater, I just had one more question for you unrelated to your day job. So many people are probably most familiar with India, which happens to be in the Coachella Valley of Southern California because of things like the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival, the Stagecoach Country Music Festival, and other festivals. I'm just curious, what is it like to be a local when one of these massive events is going on? So here in the Valley, we get a lot of events, almost uh, mostly during our winter season, which starts between November and runs through about April the following year, where every month there's different events going on between golf events and tennis events and then the music festivals and the county date festival and so forth. So we get a lot of additional population from snowbirds and event goers and so forth. So we can see our population in the area almost double, <laughs> uh, almost overnight. And so sometimes it can be quite the challenge as you're trying to navigate the valley and do your normal day-to-day -day things. But it's quite an interesting experience because you get to meet a lot of people from not only nationally, but actually across the world who come into these places and you wouldn't normally have that type of exposure. That would be really neat. Okay, sorry, I had one more wastewater question. Do the flows from these festivals come to your treatment facility and do you see an increase in flows? It depends on what it is for mm. things like the county date festival and the music festivals. They do put up porta potties as services for them, but we still see an increase in some of the flows because people are dining in our restaurants, occupying our stores, still using a lot of our local facilities. And so we do see some bit of an increase of our wastewater flows. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I'm glad you're there for them. Well, thank you for all that information. And just a reminder uh, to our listeners that you will be able to find all the resources and um, information that Anna has mentioned during our interview in the notes for this episode. So Anna, I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And I wish you all the best in your many future wastewater surveillance adventures. Thank you. It was quite an honor to participate.